So number 261 has been announced as the one we'll use as the hymn of encouragement. Certainly, as was mentioned already at the outset of the announcements, how thankful we are for each and every individual who's come together today, not only for the membership here at Pippin, but for the visitors who have chosen to be with us this morning. Each of us has the enjoyment and the hope that our service will be edifying and uplifting and encouraging for each and every one of us here. If visitors happen to have questions or thoughts that they might wish to direct to one of our elders, please feel free to take one of those bulletins. And if at any time you have thoughts that we could be of assistance with you, certainly feel free to contact one of us. We here at the Pippin Church of Christ simply wish to use one, Psalm 119 verse 105 as a powerful motto in which it reminds us how that that word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As you can see on the wall to my left, we'll be giving some thought to a lesson entitled, Take Heed How You Hear. You may have noted from the lesson text read by Brother Colonel a moment ago from Luke 8 verse 18, that the features and the thoughts about that very wording appear very majestically in that location. By way of introduction, some thoughts that highlight that last word here, we might in fact appreciate them to be these. The blessedness of our ability to come together fulfills those marvelous words from the lips of David in the long ago when he said, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That is our charge and our wish this morning. As we come together to do that, you'll notice that the thought of hearing is something that already has been a very, rather notable part of our time together. These songs we have just sung, we have each had two ears to hear the words that were uttered. The prayer in which we just collectively joined together was a prayer in which we heard the words spoken by the gentleman who led. In every instance, we've already appreciated the beauty and the blessing of hearing. You'll notice, though, that Jesus said, Take heed how ye hear. The Lord thus reminded us that it's important to give some thought and not let the gift of hearing pass by, but rather take it seriously so that we hear not only what we should, but we hear what we should hear in the way we should hear it. It will be that latter emphasis that will consume us for the time of our lesson this morning. As you can see, hearing is a very, rather frequent part of the Word of God. In many ways, you could argue it's an indirect part of every verse in the Bible. All 31,102 verses were presented to you and to me, and God intends us to hear them. For isn't it true that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works? As we thus seek to hear that which the God of heaven has revealed, you'll notice near the bottom of that slide, the thought about this warning one more time. Take heed how you hear. For the remainder of the lesson this morning, what are some issues that could be problems? That is to say, some hearing problem that you and I might have. I don't mean a problem that an audiologist could solve. That is, a person trained to, with all the features and facts of the way the ear works and could help us with the thought of our eardrum. Hearing in the way the Bible uses it is often far more related to the way one receives what one hears. And so it is this morning. What about being careful hearers? Let's begin by noting that here is one class of hearers. There are those that 
although the sound waves fall upon their ears, they really are rather inattentive. They really don't listen to what is said. I contrast that to those who are eager listeners. They seem to hang on every word that's being uttered. They are excited about the message, and they are rather excited about applying it as well. Let's devote a few moments to thinking about hearers that are inattentive versus those that are eager. Isn't it true, and perhaps you and I have been in those circumstances of our lives ourselves, that there may be someone talking and yet you and I pay relatively little, if any, attention at all to what they're saying. Sometimes there have been meetings at work I've been involved in where that's about the way I feel. A person can drone on for minutes, sometimes hours, and you start to lose complete contact to what the person is even saying. You'll notice that that can happen to us with regard to the Word of God. We just don't pay much attention to it. During Bible study hours or during the times when sermons are being delivered, our mind is a thousand miles away. We're thinking about this, that, or the other. We really aren't paying any attention to the things that are being said. I would invite you to notice that's not just a modern issue or problem either. In Matthew 13, 15, Jesus, even on that occasion, gave as one of the reasons for the parables which He taught... The fact that you have closed your ears and you've shut your eyes, lest you should understand what is said and be brought to the truth. There were those who the Lord said He taught in parables because their eyes were shut and their ears were closed. You see, it's a dangerous matter to have closed ears, isn't it? It's a dangerous thing in regard to the Word of God to be an inattentive listener. It goes without saying that an individual who listens without attention is one who will not be pricked in heart. On the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 verse 37, at the close of that sermon, about 3,000 of them, the text says, were pricked in their heart. They were led to understand, we have put to death the Son of God. We stand guilty before the very judgment bar of the God of heaven. Men and brethren, what should we do? A person who is inattentive would never have asked such a question. That person might have been thinking about, what's for dinner today? Or what are these crazy people talking about? I've got better things that I need to be doing. I wish they'd hurry up. There's a big difference sitting there between being an inattentive hearer and an attentive hearer. As the Bible gives us examples along that line, you'll remember in Deuteronomy 1 verse 43, in the days of the long ago, even Moses warned the children of Israel of the danger of being an inattentive hearer. They were told to keep the commandments that God had delivered, and if they failed to do so, what dire punishments and wrath would come their way? Question, should they have been attentive? By all means. All through the character of the Word of God, we learn some statements and features about attentive hearing. Perhaps none better in the Old Testament than Nehemiah 8, verses 1 to 8. We won't read the fullness of that text, but I would invite you to notice at least two of the verses with me. This scene is one that is very captivating. The children of Israel had by that time gone into Babylonian captivity. The years of the captivity had run its course, and they had now revisited and returned to that city of Jerusalem that they so longingly had desired to inhabit. As they returned, though, 
We remember various servants such as Ezra and Nehemiah. And Nehemiah 8 reads like this. Verse 1 says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man unto the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Pausing there, we notice the people, in fact, gave Ezra some commands. You bring the book of the law to us, and you read it. Verse 2, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. There were men and women gathered together here. It wasn't just a special selection in the innermost circles of the tabernacle or temple. Here was the congregation assembled and gathered, and they had inquired and beseeched him to bring the book of the law. Verse 3, And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. For hours they listened as Ezra read. For hours, their mind hanged on every word that he spoke, interested to learn more about that book of the law. By this time, they no doubt had come to realize that their lives often did not reflect the truth in that law. They needed to make some changes, and they were anxious to learn what needed to be done. Here we see attentive hearers. Their attention is perhaps also highlighted in verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They had such respect and such regard for that book that when they saw Ezra open it, up they stood and they waited as he read it. I might ask, is something like that descriptive of you and me? Do we have such regard for the Word of God that we are careful hearers? Jesus did say, take heed how ye hear. Do we hear with attention or do we hear with inattention? Waiting for the time that He'll finally get done so we can go on about doing the other things we want to do. God, in fact, gives a great lesson about being attentive hearers. You'll notice perhaps one set of final thoughts. On many, many occasions, the Word of God admonishes us to be careful and attentive hearers. Oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Verse 97 of Psalm 119. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, the famous refrain of 2 Timothy 2.15. And on and on the Word of God goes reminding us that we should be attentive hearers. I'm sure, though, that each of us have encountered individuals, and maybe we ourselves have fallen into that arrangement from time to time. But we know those who really don't care too much about this book. When you start asking them questions about it, they get angry, they get defensive, they get inattentive, and they simply ask you to leave. Isn't that sad when the most precious book of all they have no interest in? May you and I not be guilty of such. But may we be eager and attentive hearers to the Word of God in every way. There are other ways, though, that one can respond to the Word of God. You'll notice this is another possibility. There are some who are immature hearers. Immature hearers. I don't mean just those that are young of age. 
There may be many who simply have not advanced to an age of being able to understand English. And for them, we understand that they can't take the Word of God at their young tender age and decipher in fullness what the Word of God is to them and for the human family. I'm not using immature in that way. I'm using immature in the following way. There are many who consider the Word of God appropriate for somebody else. That was a fantastic lesson, and I hope he heard every word of it. Well, she sure didn't need to hear that. All the while thinking that there's not a word in that for me. That message is good for someone else, but not for me. Aren't there those who are blinded to their own failings and shortcomings in life? And every sermon is just perfect for somebody else. But it never seems to have any meat, any message, any objective or motivation for me. That's what I mean by an immature hearer. May we be quick to say that the Word of God is not just for neighbors, and it's not just for friends, and it's not just for co-workers, and it's not just for associates. It's for me, and it's for you. For each and every one of us are going to stand before the judgment bar of God. We notice, in fact, in Jeremiah 36, verse 23, a particular statement that is a very interesting application of this thought. You might remember it well. It had to do with King Jehoiakim. King Jehoiakim was one who had not lived as God had ordained and had not served as king in the way that he should. The God of heaven had given Jeremiah the character of several prophecies that were to be written down, and his servant Baruch carefully detailed all those things. Word of all those prophecies came to the king Jehoiakim, and Jehoiakim had them read in his hearing. And after he had heard them, he took a pen knife out from his pocket and cut it to shreds and threw it into the fire. You see, here was one who heard what was said, but it didn't make any difference to him. It angered him, perhaps. He was disillusioned by it, but he was convinced that what was written in that prophecy was not going to come to pass. God will not let this kingdom go into rot the way that that prophecy says. He just didn't believe what the prophecy had uttered. Interestingly enough, God commissioned Jeremiah to write the very same words again. And in fact, added on to it some additional words of wrath. And that's exactly what happened. Not many years thereafter, we remember the kingdom was taken into captivity. And there it would spend some 70 long, woeful, anxious years. Notice the danger of being an immature hearer. Today, each and every one of us should listen carefully to words like John twelve forty eight. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Question, is the sentence in that verse, the opening noun, is it plural or singular? Singular. He that receiveth and rejecteth me and receiveth not my word. That's you and me individually. I am thus needing to not be an immature hearer, but rather a hearer that is serious. A hearer that is attuned to the things that God has had to say, because I will give an answer for it on that marvelous and powerful day of judgment. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day into which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. 
whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Those words from the sermon of Paul in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. We can appreciate then so well that being an immature hearer is dangerous because I don't apply the truth to myself. More than once in the New Testament, warning is given about judging others and failing to make the same application to oneself. We understand in the closing parts of that verse. Matthew 5 verse 6 is a lovely place to begin. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for the Word of God. Do you and I hunger and thirst for it? If so, we are likely not to be an immature hearer. Rather, we will be serious about the word that we hear and excited about applying it. To this point, we've seen these two kinds of hearers that even though they hear, there is much lacking in the way they hear. This one is immature. And as we noted earlier, that first was inattentive. What about another possibility? You see, there are other kinds of problems, other kinds of hearing problems that one could face. Consider with me this one. What about an incorrect hearer? This kind of individual, you see, hears all right. The words that are uttered are what they hear, but they draw incorrect conclusions. They take things out of context. They use their favorite verses and ignore all the others. And haven't you and I talked with others who feel this way? There may be a particular verse that they hinge and hang basically all of their belief upon. They ignore everything else. They are incorrect hearers. We must hear all that God has said, not just what we prefer, not just those certain verses or chapters that seem to be our favorites. Incorrect hearers stand opposed to those accurate hearers. In 1 John 4 verse 1, we are reminded on that occasion, Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God. There are many proclaimers, preachers, speakers, teachers in one way or another. But the sad fact is, in many ways, the verse that they take contradicts another in the way that they teach it. God's Word nowhere contradicts. It nowhere has discrepancies like that. God's Word is complete truth. And if it isn't preached that way, then there is in some degree an incorrect element in hearing. In 2 Peter 2, beginning in verse number 1, the inspired apostle made a gigantic element of presentation to those of that day, and it should reverberate in our minds till this day. He says, But as there were false prophets among the people, there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and shall bring upon themselves swift destruction. Peter, in his inspired way, pointed out this fact. Just as surely and just as certainly as there were false prophets in the days of the ancient old, there will be false teachers among you. He did not say there might be, could be, should be. He said there will be. You and I, Neil, live now some 20 centuries this side of Calvary. And just as surely as there were false Christs in the day when Christ was here, there are still a multitude of those who are incorrect hearers. In fact, it's an interesting thing 
that my family and I, it seems not long ago, were confronted with such. We were at a restaurant in Cookville, and a gentleman tried to say something about the 39th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And he didn't know anything about what he was talking about, quite literally. Several years ago, we received a phone call at the house by a rather deranged and excited man teaching the exact same thing about Ezekiel chapter 39. There isn't a person who knows that would question that is an inspired chapter, and it is in the book of God. But it does not teach what many in our world think it does. It does not, in fact, set forth this dramatic thing in a physical, literal way which the world captivates by and looks toward. Quite frankly, Ezekiel 39 was fulfilled a long time ago. It does not speak then of these military matters, these kinds of world wars that in their mind conjures up things that are just on the verge of yet happening. Incorrect teaching has been involved and hearing that is on that line has taken place multitudes of times. What a tragedy. As you can also see, many other examples can be listed. The Galatians, that very book in which we're studying on Wednesday evening. We remember here that the Apostle Paul and others brought the powerful message of truth and they in gladness received it. Galatians 5 verse 7. However, Paul was quick to say they had now removed themselves from it, not to another gospel, you see, because there is no other. But they had begun to accept what these false teachers were teaching. These false teachers, you see, had a hearing problem, incorrect hearing. Time and again, Paul strove to correct that matter and to help them see the precious light of pureness in the New Testament gospel. As you see, perhaps near the bottom of that slide, the gospel is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, John 17, 17. How do you and I then hear the sacred text? I hope that we do not hear it with immaturity. I hope that we do not hear it with incorrectness. I hope that we do not hear it with inattentiveness. But those are three very real problems and they, in fact, afflict many in our world today. Another problem, though, that is also possible, in addition to these, is this one. An inactive hearer. The one who you see is able to hear has perfect auditory ability. Hears every word that's been uttered. But yet, it seems that nothing ever goes beyond intention. They never put into practice the things they have heard. They have heard and perhaps have heard well, but yet those hearing never seems to emanate into action. It doesn't materialize. It doesn't lead to those good works spoken of in Titus 3 verse 14. Let's devote just a few moments to consider what the Bible has to say about that kind of hearer. And quite we, may we not say, quite frankly, that it's a very tempting thing, isn't it? To hear and to hear and to hear, but yet to never do anything that has been heard. James, in James chapter 1, verse 22, said, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. It has, I suppose, always been a temptation, again, to be a hearer, a very noble hearer, but an inactive one at that. James in that same book also said, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's why I chose the two words that I did. 
There are those that are inactive, but the Bible urges us to be swift, to put into practice those things that we have heard. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The Lord's famous question of Luke 6 verse 46. Might I invite each of us then, at least for a moment, to ponder and to think, am I an inactive hearer? Am I always quick and ready to hear, but yet it seems the applications are shortcoming? Applications do not materialize. These verses that you see written before you on that slide challenge us. And perhaps none any finer than the words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There is a circumstance described by Jesus in which there are some who needed to be reminded that not everyone that simply says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Clearly these had heard. They knew who the Lord was in the sense of His person, in the sense of what He had accomplished and done. But in terms of putting into practice, in truth, that which He had taught, they had failed miserably. And thus, they are inactive hearers. They, it would seem, were also incorrect ones. You and I, if we are inactive, those good works commanded of us in Titus 2.14 will not be the reality, and we shall be found lacking and wanting on that marvelous and powerful day of judgment. When we consider the example of the Ethiopian nobleman in Acts 8, do we not there see a picture of a man who was far from inactive, Consider the scene with me again. Here was a person returning from Jerusalem, reading with interest the book of Isaiah. The 53rd chapter was the particular occasion on which he read, but he didn't understand what he was reading. It didn't sink in because he didn't appreciate the fullness of its message. And the God of heaven providentially brought Philip his way. Philip asked, do you understand what you read? And he said, how can I accept some man guide me? Philip went into the chariot, and as they rode along, he preached unto him Jesus, Acts 8.35. Now let's ask, was this nobleman an active hearer or an inactive one? Was he swift? There came a time there was water by the roadway, and it was he, not the preacher, but he who said, Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Was he active? Was he anxious to apply what he had heard and learned? Was he ready to put into practice those lovely passages that spoke about baptism? Absolutely. And he didn't want to delay. It's still true today. The Word of God leads to immediate action. It leads our hearts to be changed and transformed. And it leads us to appreciate the need to be swift in our understanding and in our application of it. Being an active hearer... A lovely thing, isn't it? When you think about being a hearer like this, perhaps there's another kind of hearer that comes also to our attention. Consider an indifferent hearer. An indifferent hearer. One that I've described in ways as you can see on that slide. These seem rather close to those we mentioned at the outset of the lesson. Those that we mentioned on that occasion. But these are slightly different. 
by an indifferent here, these are comfortable just as they are. Nothing that you or I say, nothing that the Word of God says will make any difference to them. Have you encountered individuals like that? Who, in fact, you actually let them read a particular passage out of the Bible and have them say something like this, Well, I know that's what it says, but I'm not going to change. They're indifferent. They don't really care what the Word of God says. They are convinced that what they know is enough despite the fact that it isn't. And they're comfortable with their life just as it is, and, they're, and they are bound to continue it in that way. Oh, what a shame it is to be an indifferent hearer. As you can see, some of the thoughts about that indifference really take us back even to Jonah. Jonah is maybe one of the most well-known of the minor prophets. And God first came to him and said, Go to Nineveh, that great and wicked city, and preach against it. Jonah was determined not to go. And so to Joppa he went, boarding the ship for Tarshish, and off he went, thinking that he was clear and free from the commandment God has given. Jonah, you see, was certainly a hearer in the sense he heard what God said. He did jump into action, but it was rather indifferent action, wasn't it? Not to carry out God's command, but to run from it. We remember many times, though, in the record of that book, how that God did something. He brought a great wind, He brought a storm, He brought a fish, He brought a gourd tree, He brought a worm, He brought a lot of things to get Jonah's attention. Eventually, we see a pathetic Jonah in chapter 4 looking over a city because they had repented. They had heard the word of the Lord and Jonah was sorry for it. Jonah was indifferent. It's a pathetic thing to be in that frame of mind, isn't it? May you and I not be indifferent. May we in fact have a heart that yearns to know what the word of God says and to do it. To be interested in learning more about it. Thus, give thought to the Bible study periods in our worship services. Be here at every service if at all you can. Not because that I happen to be the one teaching, that's irrelevant. But because someone is teaching the Word of God. Because God's Word is lifted to a zenith and a plateau and all of us are going to be judged by it one day. We need to know as much of it as we can, as correctly as we can, with the activity as much as possible. Indifference, what a sad thing. As you can see near the bottom of that slide, God's Word demands of us action, and an indifferent hearer can never provide that proper action. An indifferent hearer won't repent. An indifferent hearer won't change. An indifferent hearer won't submit to baptism because they haven't been convicted they need to. But we know that God demands that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, verse 2. Coming to this point in the lesson, we only have one more type of hearer that we shall consider this morning. It's the hearer who has itching ears. The Apostle Paul used that phrase in the second book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, didn't he? When there he said, they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn aside from the truth and be turned into fables. 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 and 3. Just prior to that, he had admonished Timothy as well as all others who would preach and proclaim to preach the Word. 
We understand, though, that there are some hearers. They are active, and they are attentive, but the fact is they want to be attentive to a special message. They want the preacher, the teacher, to change the message so that it's what they want to hear. They've got itching ears, if you please. Of course, this relates directly to those incorrect ones we talked about earlier. God's Word isn't left for you and me to tamper with it and change it. To set it forth just so that it makes pleasing sounds to those in the audience. As one old-time preacher many years ago said, you can't cleanse sinners in the pews with soft soap from the pulpit. We need the power of the Word of God and a full amount of it to appreciate that we don't need just preachers who are attuned to itching ears. All of us need ears that want the truth, ears that are desirous of it, and ears that will not accept anything else. As thankful for all that as we can be, give thought to some of those final verses upon that slide. In John 2, verse 6, Jesus, His very mother, it was she who said, Whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. Thus, we don't need itching ears. We need those who have an ear that wants to do exactly what the Lord said. Not anything less and surely not anything more. It reminds us of Micaiah in 1 Kings twenty-two fourteen, 14, doesn't it? As the Lord liveth and as the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. May that be our motto and our slogan as well today. Peter said something near to it in 1 Peter 4, 11. If any man speak... Let him speak as the oracles of God. This very day, as you and I examine ourselves, what kind of hearer are you and what kind of hearer am I? I've listed all of those thoughts and slides that we just given consideration to there at the bottom of that one. Are you a good hearer? If so, then you're attentive. You are eager. You're mature. You're serious. You're accurate, you're swift, you're steadfast, and you're submissive. All of those qualities, as what we've seen, go into the makeup of a good hearer of the Word of God. On the other hand, you can just change all those because that's what we've noted for those that are not good hearers. Those that are not good hearers are inattentive, they are not eager, they are immature, they lack seriousness, they are inaccurate, they fail to apply, they are not steadfast, and they have itching ears as opposed to being submissive. Which are you today? If upon the consideration of these matters you find yourself separated from the God who loves you and the one who wishes you to hear so well, please take careful analysis of your life and please come at the appropriate time in just a moment. A hymn of encouragement has been announced. If your hearing needs to be improved as you draw nigh unto the God of heaven, why not use this opportunity, this convenient one? If you're an alien sinner and has never rendered obedience initially, believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Repent of the sins in your life. Come to Him in confession and in baptism. If we can help you in that, let today be the day. If you have begun the walk with Christ, but your hearing has slipped from being good to being one of these. Make some changes today. If we can pray with you and for you, why not let us do that? As you let us know, while together we stand and while we sing. <laughs>